0: Boy, it's an honor to be with you guys. And Tyson, he overbills me every time. All right, but it's great to be able to be with you guys. I love the whole baby day kind of thing. That's awesome. I feel like a grandparent coming here, cheering them on. You know, uh, we have two kids that are grown and five uh, grandkids that we get to encourage and love. Uh, as I watched that, it, it reminded me of when our kids were young. Uh, you would think I'd get a day off, but on uh, the time I'd watch our kids when my wife was working, I'd watch kids at home before school when they're pretty young. Uh, they wanted to play church. <laughs> You'd think I'd get a break, you know? Uh, but one, one of the times I remember uh, Rachel, she's a couple years older than Nathan, and and what happened was that we tried to teach them the Bible stories and make sure they knew that in some songs and. All that kind of a thing. And uh, Rachel said, hey, today I, w- I want to lead the singing. And we'll sing as we sang Jesus Loves Me or uh, something like that, the B-I-B-L-A. And uh, she did a great job. And then all of a sudden Nathan decides he wants to get up. And he says, I'll do the talking if that's okay, Dad. Okay, you go right ahead, Nathan. And he started telling a Bible story. And he said, uh, uh, he said, Noah had a boat. He said, Amen. That's right. That's right. And did a good job. He said, And Noah had a lot of animals on the boat. That's right. He sure did. He sure did. And Noah would give boat rides. <laughs> uh, I don't remember that anywhere, you know. And, uh, okay, where's he going? He said, And one day, Noah fell off the boat and a big fish swallowed him up. You know? <laughs> you know, he's getting a little confused on some of those things, but that's okay. Uh, Rachel, the firstborn, got up after that. She said, I think I'll go ahead and give a Bible story because that one wasn't right, you know. She, uh, the older sister. So she said, now, my story today is, is Moses. I said, oh, good. You tell us about Moses, Rach. That's good. And Moses was a shepherd in the desert. Yes, he was. Amen. And, and, and he saw a burning bush. It was on fire. Yeah, good job, Rach. Tell, tell more. And she said, and then God spoke to him through the fire. And he said, Moses. Take off your sandals. And she's just doing great. She's nailing this thing. And then she says that Moses looked up to heaven and said, why? (laughs) Oh, boy, here we go. It's going to happen. And then she said it, what I swore I would never say. And God looked down on Moses. She said it, said, because I said so. That's Why? (laughs) Okay, well, so much for Bible stories on that. You can get them mixed up, and sometimes they reveal how you've told them to one another. But I love the little kid thing, and the more we can tell them the stories and help them understand the, the love that God has for them and how much they matter to God, uh, the, the better all the way all the way through. Got friends in Nashville, Steve and Annie Chapman. They've written songs for years, much uh, more family-oriented and parenting, and, and uh, they even partnered with James Dobson for a while, years, years back And they wrote a song that has stuck with us and we sang to our kids. It's simply, I'll tell you the words to it, it's, uh, as he would write it, as Steve would write it, you were born to me, I was there. And I remember your mother's pain. And I was very proud to let you have my name. And I want you to know that wherever you go and whatever you do, if you're the president or a prisoner, you are my child. And I will always love you. And you will always be mine, and you can lean on me anytime. Whatever you do, I'll always love you. You will always be mine. And then the bridge of the song really makes it a little more meaningful, where he simply said, And I'm living for the day when I hear you say, Daddy, I've been born again. And the Savior will tell you what I'm telling you now, because I got the words from him. He'll be saying, you will always be mine. You can lean on me anytime. Whatever you do, I'll always love you. You will always be mine. I thought, that's a great song. Great song to sing to our kids as they're drifting off to sleep a little bit. You know, they say there's five prayers we can say for our kids in a progressive order. I learned this from Gene Apple when we were in a church out in Las Vegas, of all places. We were there in the 90s, you know. And everybody thinks it's sin city. Well, it probably is, but it's no more sinful. I grew up in the Midwest. Their sin is just well lit out there, okay? <laughs> you can see what's going on. I learned a whole lot from things out there. But Gene taught us, he said, you know, when it comes to kids, you first of all pray, God, if you want us to have kids, please give us kids. Prayer number two is, God, please bless our kids. Let them be healthy. Let them be well. It's just our, our prayer, our request. Uh, number three is, uh, God, save our kids much like Steve's verse living for the day when I hear you say daddy I've been born again he said we'll, we'll eventually pray that he said but the fourth prayer is God after you've saved our kids and they have a relationship with you then please use our kids you help them use their life for you he said but level 5 is the tough one that only the brave dare to go he said level 5 is God send our kids If you can use them somewhere send them now I'm a guy that we prayed that we didn't know we thought he'd maybe just send them across the street and our our son Nathan he's the preacher where I am now five years ago we transitioned he does that I'm I'm part I'm I'm kind of full-time but I'm not only part-time preaching to have to do that so I can do a few more things like this but our daughter Rachel felt called by God to go to Romania and she's been in Romania for in June it'll be 19 years Hadn't been home in seven. Thank God for FaceTime, all right, you know? And uh, we we look forward to whenever we can get over there. Most people save up money, go to Florida. We save up money and go hang out with gypsies in Romania, you know? And we love every minute of that. But you never know what God's going to call your kids to do. You never know what he's going to prompt in their heart. So today, as as we come, as Tyson said, around as a church family, I want to let you know, I don't know who ever said It takes a village to raise a child. I would just respectfully disagree. I think it takes a church family. Our kids are products of people like you who have loved them and been spiritual aunts and uncles and encouragers, and that's what we get to do this side of heaven for one another's kids. Now, this series is a lot of fun. I love what Tyson's doing with it as he's going to dive in next week, I think, on marriage, the week after that on parenting, the week after that in life in the church. But uh, he kind of gave me a little liberty on this one to say, we're walking with each other. And, And so what I would call this is walking along finishing strong would you say that with me walking along finishing strong that's what he wants us to do I believe now in Hebrews chapter 12 this is out of the uh, English standard version Uh, I grew up with King James you know it had the the flowery language of uh, the hithers and tithers and verily verily I say unto thee And uh, I I learned more of this in the New American 1984, pardon me, uh, uh, an NIV 1984 version. But this English version is really good. Let me read it for us, those three verses from Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and run with endurance the race that's set out before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. God doesn't want you to lose heart in this journey of faith that we have. And on a special day that we dedicate babies and families He wants us to all feel that we're in this absolutely together. Now, in this passage, I just want to ask three basic questions. Number one is, I think it's right in the first verse, I would ask, who's your crowd? Who really is the crowd that he's talking about? Now, if you look here in in verse 1, he's talking about the chapter before. He says, therefore, since we have such a great cloud or crowd of witnesses, and he's mentioned in chapter 11 all the the heroes of faith. You've got Abel of Cain and Abel, and Abel gave this very generous offering to God, and God approved of that. Enoch, he walked with God. Abraham, Moses, Moses' parents, goes all the way down the line. Every uh, hero you've heard, the heroes of the Old Testament, the heroes of heaven in Hebrews chapter 11 it's what you might just call this great faith list and I want to ask you to make sure that your kids know and we know what really some of the key stories are in other words if you tell your kids about David and Goliath it would be interesting to say now why did David you know pull out the slingshot on Goliath well there's basically two reasons number one He was not just threatening the army of Israel. He was calling down curses against God. And David says in the immortal words of Sweet Brown, (laughs) ain't nobody got time for that, you know. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to let God be cursed by this big Philistine. I don't care how tall he is. That's why he did that. But you know how he had the confidence? The reason he had the confidence to say, I'm going into battle. No, I don't need Saul's armor. Give me my slingshot. I know what I'm doing here. Because there was a spiritual thing within his heart and life that had been violated. And he knew God ain't going to take that. But he had seen God deliver him as a shepherd. As he cared for his sheep, if anybody remembers what two animals he had been spared from, a lion and a bear. And David says, I'm telling you, God doesn't put up with this. As he delivered me from the hand of the lion and the bear, he will deliver me from this big tall Philistine. And whew, 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 bam. You know? Awesome story. I love stories. I love stories too much. I get caught in it and I need to come back to the notes. That happens to me a lot. But can we unpack those stories with our kids? Can we talk about them with one another? Can we share insight and figure out what's going on in all those heroes of our faith? Now, Not only do we have them in our, our crowd and our cloud, their, their stories and their truth to, to gain inspiration from, but we also have what I would call heroes on earth. And that's not Hebrews 11. That's kind of an Acts 29 kind of thing. Nobody looked that up because there is no <laughs> Acts 29. It ends with Acts 28 You and I are Acts 29. We're what God's doing right now in this world until he sends his son Jesus back. And we need to have heroes here on earth. You guys have great great pastors. It's neat to, to get to know Dee a little bit more. I've known him before, the St. Louis Christian College Connection. As Tyson mentioned, he and I got to hang out 15 years ago at Blessing Ranch. Uh, I went to school with the beloved legend of all time, Darrell Bolin, all right? a year older than me. I saw him and Sally fall in love. They're great people, awesome. I go back to the Tom Van Meter, or was it Van Dyke or Van Gogh? What was, no, it was Van Meter, just kidding. Trying to keep you awake, it's not doing so good. I'll keep going, all right? Here we are. All of a sudden, Tom Van Meter, I I remember meeting him in Lakeland. You all have a great heritage. You have a great history of who you've been. You have great people who have come alongside. Have you ever stopped to think, where would I be if it were not for one person? Now, for me, my folks were believers, and uh, they made sure that I had a drug problem Drugged me to church on Sunday morning and it drug me back on Sunday night. You know, it's an old joke. It's an old joke. Right. But they modeled what I needed to know and who I needed to know. And my faith in Christ. But there was somebody else that just stepped up. And he's been a mentor to me since I was ten. And he didn't have to be. He preached in the area, and I saw him. Saturday night, once a month at these things they had called youth rallies for us small little churches of less than a hundred. And he would make sure he was there at church camp. I didn't go to Bond until my last couple of years. I got to go to Christian Athlete Week there. I grew up over in Palmyra, but uh, in Chesterfield where uh, Montgomery camp was. So I'm just a kid who went to church camp, never came home. And here comes this guy who is uh, 12 years older than me. And you look at him and you just realize, man, that's a young, great, godly guy. I want to be something like him when I grew up. Lynn Laughlin, if you know Lynn from Lincoln Christian College. He's poured into me for years when he didn't have to. Before he was coach and played basketball under him, he was Lynn, and he was the guy that you just realized loves God, is passionate about people, and it's going to be a lot of fun to hang out and be around. You and I need those people. People around us need us to be those people to them who can step up as an earthly hero for you who can join in and say come on and nurture and love and care about you who can we do that together with Now, that's the first question the question is who's your crowd are you understanding the scriptures and getting inspiration from those stories and those truths are we being the people are we receiving that encouragement from one another and the second question you'll you'll probably get a kick out of is what's your problem (laughs) turn to your neighbor and say that would you just see what reaction you get what's your problem i love a thing called celebration (laughs) recovery oh some of you are telling one another what the problem is okay (laughs) celebrate recovery what rick warren started out at saddleback church it's all of these support groups it's all the things Dependency groups, addiction groups, uh, uh, things that get through the tough parts of life. And they all came together on Friday night and they gave them all a T-shirt that said that. What's your problem? Because we all got problems, amen? We all got tough stuff we have got to go through. And I got to work through my stuff. You got to work through yours. And it's better when we do it together. The problem is when we get tangled up. When we get tangled up in our stuff and we quit or we bail on the Lord or the church and we get our feelings hurt and we don't know how to react to something that's happened. I appreciate so much good friends. John Walker, who's a psychologist, went to college with John. He went on and established, his family did, a ministry called Blessing Ranch. It's where I met Tyson. Blessing Ranch Ministry. His daughter Charity went on to be a psychologist and she now has taken over that ministry and she's got a book that really defines and expresses all the things they have learned after over 4,000 family units coming to their ministry over 25 years for a week at a time. For some very intensive model, let's get to the point. When you're having counseling on that level for a week, you remember there's no place to hide, okay? Okay. It's one thing to go get counseling on the other side of town, drop a hundred bucks and argue on the way home, get home and not, well, I can't remember what he talked about. I don't know. That isn't doing any good. This is pretty real stuff. It's been my privilege to be, get to be on their board. And what they say in their book, Unhindered, is if we're going to be believers who rise above the stuff of our life the entanglements and throwing off those sinful patterns and the shame that goes with it. we got to get into the heart logic of everything. And they said there's some things you got to look at and see. There are heart shapers, events in your life that affect you deeply. And what happens is then we, we develop a sore spot if we never get through that and we never allow God to kind of help us to heal from that and through that. Uh, my mom passed away suddenly when I was 22. She's gone in five minutes, spleen ruptured. I'm over in Indiana. I've been in ministry for a year and get a call from my sister. Drive through the night and get there at four in the morning. But she was gone before I got there, of course. And that, that was hard. It was hard. If I could be honest with you, <laughs> I I couldn't enjoy seeing some couple in their late 50s or early 60s who get to go to Florida and retire because my dad's all alone farming for several years before he remarried that was a sore spot for me that I had to talk about and think through and realize I couldn't get caught in the doggone it she would love my kids she'd been crazy about them," and yet God knows what he's doing and she'd poured enough into us that we're very much the spiritual part of what, what we are today because of, of her faith and her heart and her life. And my wife grew up a little bit different, Sue Lynn. Her parents divorced when she was eight and they both remarried when she was nine. That, that'll make your head spin for a little while. But she's grounded in her faith and we love all her family And we worked through some of those things. But her frame of reference was a little bit different. Whatever it is we have to go through, if we don't offer that back to God, and the heart shaper, it can become a sore, bitter spot in our life and keep us from getting untangled so we can move beyond the fear and the pride and the anger and the shame and whatever it is that we're getting over. Now, they say in their book that there's a big gap sometimes between God's truth, uh, capital T, and our truth, our little t. And we we look at things totally different because that's the way we do with our heart logic. And we need to understand that. Jeremiah 17 says that the heart is is, uh, deceitfully wicked. Who can understand it? In other words, I'll make up things in my mind. I'll have an attitude of, of, of harshness if I get hurt. And sometimes we just put up a shell around ourselves. And we got to work through that together. What's your problem? Well, my problem might be resentment that I have trouble getting over. Until God helps me work through that. And he does it best when we come alongside one another to finish strong together. His strategy, capital S. Our strategy, how we're going to live our life, lowercase s. Romans 12 said, don't conform to the world. Don't listen to their strategy. You let God transform you from the inside out. I love the story of Peter. Peter had to feel absolutely terrible because he had let Jesus down. He denied him three times around this fire. And he, he had, I mean, Peter, he, he, uh, he got the right answer and he got the wrong answer. He got the right answer and he got the wrong answer. He was back and forth all the time. And he had just said, I'm not going to let anything happen to you. Next thing you know, he's cutting off on one of the servants ear at the arrest and Jesus is having to take care of that, and uh, urgent care wasn't open, so Jesus had to heal him right there on the spot. All of a sudden, Peter begins to follow from a distance, and he wants to see what's going on. All the other disciples had bailed, but he's there close by until people are onto him. And he has this Galilean accent, and you can't, you can't deny that Galilean accent. All of a sudden, some of the people said, wait a second, you are one of his followers, What are you doing here? And I'm sure he was afraid the same thing's going to happen to him. He's going to wind up, you know, killed. And he says, I I don't know him. Three different times around this fire, Peter says, I don't know him. I don't know him. And then he, he called down curses from heaven and said, I don't know him. And later on, Jesus, and he locked eyes. And he went out and cried his eyes out. He wept bitterly. So it's been a little bit of time that's happened. The resurrection, oh boy, everything's going to be fine now. And then all of a sudden, the disciples, after the resurrection, they see Jesus, and he's over on the other side uh, uh, of, of, of the sea there, and and they're they're out there uh, fishing, and they, and they see, and it's him, and he tells them kind of, err, go ahead and do this, and they know it's him, and he's fixing breakfast right there on the on the seashore, and they run to meet him, and here's Peter, Peter comes right up to him, and here's this fire, because Jesus was he was broiling a little fish, gives me great hope after uh, hope that after the resurrection, uh, you know, the uh, resurrection there will be absolutely uh, a buffet in heaven, you know, that's that's going to happen, okay, and here's Here's Jesus, and he's fixing breakfast, and Peter comes to him, and he just says, ah, nothing. And Jesus looks at him, and he says, Peter, do you love me? He said, yes, I, I love you, Lord. He said, then feed my sheep. He asked him again, do you love me? He said, feed my sheep. And the last time, rather than the word in the Greek agape, a godly love, he said, phileo, do you even love me like a friend? And it broke Peter's heart. But his heart had already been broken but jesus knew that if he denied me three times i'm going to give him a chance to tell me three times that he loves me so he will feel drawn back into this relationship see for some of us we might just need to be reinstated and brought back into fellowship with him we might need to have our story rewritten and if you're going to do that we might need to ask ourselves some questions Number one, do we really believe God's good? The Bible says there's no darkness in him at all. He's all light. Are we going to hold him hostage because of something that happened to us? Do do we believe that we're okay even though we're flawed? Are we worth loving? Do we believe that other people are all right or uh, we just don't care for for them at all? They've got it in for us and we're going to just keep a wedge between us? I remember a couple of years ago when my dad was in the nursing home. Uh, I went to see him and Dad, how you doing, Pop? Everything okay? And uh, everything all right? And He said, "I'm surrounded by morons." <laughs> <laughs> well, I get that, Pop. You know, that, that's how he felt at the time. You know, I said, that's okay. We'll, we'll give them a few donuts. Things will get a little bit better. <laughs> Do we feel everybody else is just a mess, or can we see the good? in them that they're made in the image of God. And do we feel that life is good even though it's difficult? In John 16, Jesus said, you're going to have trouble, but I've overcome the world. And the best way for you and I to overcome it is 1 John 1, to realize that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Christ, his son, purifies us from all of our sin. See, God wants us to to own our stuff and walk together with him. Now, the last question, don't you love it when the preacher says, and finally? You know what it means. You know what it means, all right? It did not mean anything at all. It, It means he's trying to land the plane, okay? And he'll get there quickly. The last question is, where's your focus? Where's your focus at? In Colossians 3, Paul tells the early church, he says, Since you've been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor, God's right hand. Think about things of heaven, not on things of the earth. In other words, we're to fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame and is seated now at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinful men so that you might not grow weary and lose heart. A few months ago, I, I, at the end of a sermon, I realized, you know what, it was all about focusing on Jesus. It was a different passage, but yet it, it drew us towards we've got to... Think about him and keep our eyes upon him. So I, I thought, you know, I need to do something that's a little out of the norm. So I sat down and I tried to learn and remember Jesus A to Z. All right? Tell me all the things that he is from A to Z. So I hope I can remember the letter uh, that I'm, I'm working on, but I'll do my best for a phrase in between each one. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the bright and morning star. He is the calm in the midst of every storm of my life. He's the deliverer in every dilemma I have. He is everlasting to everlasting. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. It's from an old hymn. He's the good shepherd. He's the holy one of Israel. He's Emmanuel, can be with an I, not just an E and I, I checked Emmanuel, God, with us. He is Jesus of Nazareth. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He is the Messiah, the mighty one of Israel. He is the name that is above every name. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He is omni every. He's the prophet and the priest and the king over the house of God and over the people of God. Q. He's the quotable, notable, and highly promotable living son of God. <laughs> He's the rock of our salvation. He's the stone that the builders rejected. He's the teacher, the preacher, and the maker of every creature. He's the universal savior for our universal Sin. He's the victor who can never be defeated. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him. X. He's the X factor in our faithfulness and the extractor of our sinfulness. He's the yearning deep within our heart. And if you'll allow a little medical illustration, he's the Z-Pack of our Heavenly 3-Pack, okay? <laughs> the only cure for our sin-sick soul. That's who Jesus